Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is all about scouting, whether it's worth it for non-residents, who should go scouting and who shouldn't, and if you are going to go, how to do it well. So, hey, Josh, how's it going? Doing good. I uh, ramped up my training this week. Uh, I did Mission Peak twice this week um, in nice. Fremont. Yeah, it's, I'm trying to like PR each time. It's been fun. It's been hot, though. That's good, man. Well, you're, uh, you're living up to it. You're actually going and exercising hard. I like it. Yeah, 2,200 up in like three miles and then cool. 22 back down. Yeah, I like ran down today. Solid hit. How are the boots doing? They're great. I love the boots. Yeah, uh, I'm getting a little rub on like the back of my heel, mm-hmm. but I think I just need to just keep hiking in them a little more. Yeah, sometimes it's just just fit or locking them in with a different lacing pattern. There's a lot of little things you can tweak. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, but we can we can hit all those. But yeah, it's a it's a fun one for me right now. We talked about this a bit before we started the podcast here, but I'm on baby watch. We got about a week and a day or two till due date, so any day now. That's crazy. Does it feel like you're like planning for like any day I got to drop everything? Like, are you letting everybody know? Like, oh yeah, no, no, we're (laughs) we're fully there. We got the go bag. We got the car. We know what to do. We're just kind of hanging out. That's Uh, crazy. And mom is doing a great job of sleeping and hanging out. So world's going to change here pretty soon. Wow. Yeah. Congrats on that early. Congrats, I guess. But yeah. Well, anyway, we, uh, scouting today, um, this is the time of the year, right? A lot of guys, by the time this goes up, a lot of guys are already, if they're going to go, they're going to be going. They're thinking about it. Um, I put up an article last week about it and actually was super contentious. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, got a lot of guys. Uh, spoiler alert, I think for most non-residents, it's probably not worth it. And we can talk about mm-hmm. why here in a minute. But uh, guys, guys are really offended. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, just to clarify, like there's, we'll talk about this, like, you know, is it worth it? And then who it's good for, who it isn't good for. And then if, if you do go like, why, why it's great. But yeah, I think it's, I really don't want to say I'm anti-scouting. I just think if you're going to, if you're going to use that instead of hunting time, it's not a great investment. That's, gotcha. that's basically the short version of it, but it was a really hilarious back and forth on the, the article and the Instagram post. Fun time. Yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting. Uh, we, we yeah, I'm curious to get into it and, and hear both sides kind of throughout the conversation today. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk a little bit. Maybe we just st- talk about uh, why I don't think it's worth it for non-residents because that's you know that's you and I, and that's probably the most of the people on this. Um, and the fortunate guys that live in a state where they can get an elk tag, but I'd say you know a huge amount of the population now doesn't doesn't have that opportunity. So you're flying out to go scouting is it's a big investment, right? It's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's probably a vacation day just because it's hard to get there and back in a weekend uh, without that. But uh, yeah. And I've done, you know, I went scouting a few times, uh, for different areas and, you know, when I was kind of doing road trips. It was nice to stop off and look at an area. Um, so I've had a little bit of ex- experience doing that, um, and pieced a lot of it together from guys I trust too. So, yeah. Did you scout your first elk hunting trip? No, I went in cold and I was actually looking at the photos of that the other day. It was pretty entertaining. I, uh, it's a little less intense than I am right now, but, uh, I think I just showed up like September 5th or something like that. Third. Oh, really? Like a few days into the season? Yeah, I actually was spearfishing the first day of season. I was looking at that. I had this photo of me with like a, a hamachi, a, a yellowtail, big ahi tuna. Whoa. That, or that uh, not tuna, um, 
snapper that I shot, like a 40 pound one, 30 pound one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like September 1st. <laughs> Whoa, wait, where did you shoot that? Uh, that was down off of, kind of off of San Diego, Coronado. Oh, wow. Okay, Coronado. And then four days later, you're like in El Country. In El Country, yeah. Nice. Yeah, For the first was, time. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty entertaining. So, wow. um, yeah, but in hindsight, if I could have, I, I would have. But mm-hmm. uh, now I don't really take the time to go out there just because of vacation and all the reasons we talked about. So maybe we, we don't jump in here so I don't keep beating around the bush. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think the, the biggest thing about scouting in the early season is that the elk just aren't where they're going to be during season. Yeah. Like full stop. And as you get closer to season, they might be in the generalish areas, but we talked about on the other podcast, remember as the snow goes up, the elk basically follow the snow because it keeps mm-hmm. that, the water there for the green grass. And so, you know, if it's, especially if it's a big water year, July ish, they, they're just not there. Right. Right. So, there is is it because in the summer the cows had their kids and now they're like taking care of them like somewhere else yeah they are and they actually the bulls and the cows aren't even together at that point at this point in time they basically oh. go do separate things through most of the summer and the bulls pot up in these things called bachelor groups which is like you know three to five however many bulls all together Mm-hmm. Uh, and they hang out together because there's no like ill will. There's no testosterone raging or like mating competition or anything. They're all just kind of doing their thing. Yeah. But typically what you're going to see is like cows and calves and then bulls like totally separate. Okay. Um, and you might spot them in one area, one drainage. You know, the times I've gone, I've seen them in places and they're way lower down than where they are in season or they're in a different area. Yeah. Um, all this is super spot dependent. Like I know there's spots where they might be in it in like may right i've heard mm-hmm. of that before but as a general rule like high country 9 10 11 000 feet they just can't be there till like july august time frame yeah so the biggest reason that scouting may not be super effective is because the cows aren't going to be where they are during the season uh, what are some other like cons i guess besides like cost um for scouting yeah i mean that's that's probably one of the bigger ones um they're the bulls are also still in velvet like as you know like i'm definitely not a trophy hunter like really could care less about that um mm-hmm. but for a lot of guys that matters right and you can't you do you know what velvet is actually let me start over yeah like it's when the antlers have that like furry furry layer over it or i don't even know what it is but they they scrape that off right i don't know if it itches or something but yeah well it's actually during the beginning part of the year it's the stuff that grows the horns the gro- the horns actually grow from the outside right so this stuff covers the horn and deposits like mineral layers whoa which is okay i did not know that horn. yeah really interesting so it's kind of like a tree right it's like branches they kind of slowly build and branch out um, over time. And so that, that layer, that velvet is a live innervated, meaning it's got blood vessels and nerves and everything in it, like, mm-hmm. or, like tissue, like literally an organ that just grows their antlers. Um, and so it's super, super sensitive, right? Um, so they don't, they really don't want to touch it on anything. So it's like exposed nerves. And that's why they're, you know, another reason they're really not in the same spots. Cause even say if they were in the same basin, you might see them in, in the fall. Mm-hmm. they're going to really avoid brush or trees or anything that they touch their antlers against. Right. Oh, I see. Okay. Super so they're sensitive. Yeah. They're in more like open country then. Yep. More open country, uh, lower down, you know, different areas, at least when I've seen them and heard that from a lot of, a lot of different guys. Okay. Um, and so, you know, the combination of that is they might have half grown antlers and it might not, and you can kind of tell where they're going size wise, but you know, it's pretty hard to, pretty hard to tell. 
Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking, you know, a lot of guys are going and saying, Hey, I want to see what the potential is or how many bulls are here. It can be a little harder if they're still in velvet. Yeah. So why do people go scouting? Um, lots of reasons. Like you may, we cover those after let's round out the ones that like, why I don't think it's a great idea. And then we can route mm-hmm. out the ones that to go. Um, since, yeah. since really like it doesn't hurt, that's for darn sure. Um, but really my, like the biggest reason I'm, I don't think it's a huge benefit for non-residents is like that you, with that information with the cows and the bulls not being in the right place, they're not together, bulls are in velvet. Like you don't, you don't learn much about the elk themselves, which is the single most important thing of elk hunting is like knowing what the elk's going to do and where you, you know, where you get them. Like next week, mm-hmm. we'll talk all about how to locate elk really quickly in an area when you're in hunting season. Um, okay and that's like that's what everything's about so you don't learn that stuff Mm -hmm. but uh what you can learn is a lot about the environment in the area right yeah so before we move on to that like i think the main reason i'm i'm not super bullish about scouting is that for for non-residents it's money and time right and so Mm -hmm. if you're like most folks which you fortunately aren't this year sounds like you've got a little more time right yeah (laughs) (laughs) which is awesome um you really only have like a week of vacation time you could dedicate to this, right? Maybe two. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, taking a day or two off of the hunting season to go scout is just a bad, bad investment in my opinion. Yeah. Especially if it eats into the actual hunt, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause you should treat hunting kind of like scouting. Um, I don't see why guys treat them different. Like I'd kind of do the same thing. I'd be looking for different areas and, you know, while I'm hunting an area, I'm not just looking for elk and what's going on. I'm also, Hey, what's that other spot over there? I haven't seen, was that a good spot to camp? Like, Ooh, what about that area next year? Right. Right. And the, basically if you're scouting during hunting season, it's more valuable than scouting before hunting season. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And p- I guess part of hunting is scouting. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I was curious cause I haven't been to the place that I'm planning to go being very careful here, not to say where, but uh, <laughs> we're deleting it. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been there yet. And that's why I was tempted. And I do have time now, not very much money, but I got time. So I was wondering if I should go scouting just so I can like get this image in my head, like, all right, here's where I can camp and maybe this will be an A spot. This will be a B spot. I know e- we covered E scouting in it. I guess yeah. a lot of it could be done just doing e-scouting, but just curious if that additional benefit of like, just knowing like, this is what it feels like. This is what it looks like. Yeah, totally. And I think that's, that's kind of my last con against scouting is you, it is super efficient to e-scout mm-hmm. your e-scouting. You can cover area in a day that you could take two months to cover what boots on the ground. Yeah, right. right. Literally. Right. I mean, literally you could, like I can, I can scout a five by five mile basin. Well, in like an hour or two and that might take you three days right mm-hmm. um so that's yeah, that's definitely part of the reason it's more efficient to stay to stay home but i also would say like you absolutely should have e-scouted before you do go do boots on the ground scouting right uh, so there's a little spoiler alert for last uh for next week but you know when you do try to go find elk i'm always a fan of like running a loop you're going from spot to spot to spot that you've already scouted because that's what makes e-scouting efficient like you're hitting all the spots oh i see if you think about walking up a valley to go find those spots, it might take you a week to find them because you kind of have to follow random creeks. Then all of a sudden you see that wallow, but you could have seen that all from the air. Mm-hmm. So you can go hit all the likely spots really, really quick. Right. Yeah. And so Got that's it. the, that's the magic of e-scouting. So, you know, you can get away with just e-scouting for sure. 
and that's how e-scouting has changed the game. You know, I think mm-hmm. in a world where that didn't exist, I would probably be pro-scouting even if it was an investment of time um, and effort and money and all that stuff because you just have to know before the season happens. But now you can know with e-scouting. Yeah, and I also heard the, uh, on another podcast uh, over the last weekend, they said they would recommend scouting e-scouting during season. Like you're hunting for a few days, then come out and mm-hmm. look on the e-scouting uh, oh, yeah. on computer and just be like, oh, this is what it looked like in person versus on the computer. Oh, totally. Yeah, you get that. Uh, I think we talked about that a long time ago, but you get that that sense for what things on the computer look like in real life over time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the same way that like you're you're playing tennis and you watch someone's backhand, you're like, that looks good. And then you do it a bunch yourself and you get the feel. Just yeah. by like, you can look at something and then understand how it feels the same way with with e-scouting where you're like, ooh, that valley looks like this. And you go, you know, quote unquote, benchmark that mm-hmm. in your mind. And you're like, okay, well then this valley looks like, oh, okay, well that one would be really good. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, so it's really productive. The other thing that might happen too is you might get in there in your mid-season and I've done this before and you're like, hey, this, oh, like I, let me give you a real tangible example. I went to Idaho and went to a spot that had a far back up top basin. Mm-hmm. Got in there and it dumped snow. I mean, this is September 10th, right? But it dumped snow, just dumped snow. And uh, it was like two feet of snow up in that basin. And all of a sudden, all these high basins that I'd marked, which is normally where I get really great stuff because no one else wants to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all under two feet of snow. Oh, man. Like total change up, right? And I went in there and I could see that. I mean, I had elk going within 200 yards of the car. It was pretty cool. But all of a sudden, I'm seeing way different paths and routes and places they're hanging out than I'd ever imagined based on my experience before. So yeah, when I took a break from hunting like two or three days later, I drove out, spent you know three or four hours at a cafe just looking at you know air scouting it and being like, oh, okay, well, I think they're all moving between here, 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 and here now. Oh. So even if you've already scouted the exact same spot, you just weren't looking at it the same way. Like conditions change, right? Yeah, so they kind of inform each other, the e-scouting and the like closing that loop in your brain and answering the questions that you had when you're e-scouting and then going back and forth and back and forth. Totally. Yeah, and that's that is one thing I really like, you know, we're talking about is whether Onyx is worth it in another podcast. But that's one thing I do like about Onyx is they've got you know visual maps integrated with it. Mm-hmm. So if you've got satellite maps right there offline, which is pretty cool. Um, the downside of Onyx is that they don't really you're just stuck with whatever map they have who knows what time of year it is like the one where i hunt actually has snow on it mm-hmm. <laughs> which i'm like guys choose one because you just choose one without snow yeah uh, so there's ups and ups and downs to it but it's nice to have some of that in the field so it's part mm-hmm. of the reason i keep it around instead of just unsubscribing or whatever i wonder if they chose the one with snow on it because is are there more rifle hunters than there are archery hunters definitely but i don't think I don't think so because I've seen other everything else I've seen from them doesn't have it. I think it's just oh, okay. like a, some sort of screw up. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I should ping them, but I also don't want to give away my spot, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? But yeah, so scouting is you know, that e scouting bit. It goes hand in hand with boots on the sc- the ground scouting. It goes hand in hand with what I call like actual hunting, which as we talked about also is scouting. And then it goes hand in hand with the best scouting on the planet, in my opinion, which is the post kill scouting right? You shoot something day two or three and you're there for a week or two, like, oh man, you have a golden ticket. You have the most valuable information known to man on elk hunting because you can go scout during season when the elk are where they should be. Mm -hmm. And so next year, 
you're like, man, I, I ran to these eight basins in the next five days. I'm like, oh, that one's good. That one's not, that one's great. You know, you got yeah. that. That's actually what I did the first year I hunted elk because I had that, all that time. Oh. Remember I went and took like three or four more backpacking trips in there. And I'm oh, pretty sure that's why I killed an elk the first morning, the second year. Right. Oh, I see. Yeah. And that takes like a real, like long-term view of becoming a great DIY elk hunter to be able to like have that success and then mm-hmm. still go back into work for next year's success. Cause I think most people who kill an elk that especially like put in like just me thinking about going in this year, mm-hmm. working super hard and getting to that success. I would be very tempted to just call it. Call. Oh yeah. And I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that too. Like guys love it, but you're right. It's like yeah. a, it's an investment in learning. And mm-hmm. I, after shooting my first elk, I'm like, this is a lifelong thing. Yeah. Like it was, I hope it's like, what's going to happen with a baby where things, something just switches and you, you know, something changes and you're like, okay, this is, this is it. Right. And so uh, it was a really cool, cool situation. And for me to go, okay, let me put it this way. You've got, most guys get one week a year. And mm-hmm. it, you know, the intensity of this stuff, you're not going to be doing this past age 60. So I'm in my thirties now I've got, you know, 25 ish more elk seasons in my life. Yeah, it's true. I've got 25 weeks left. Right. And so that one year I got three or four, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, you know, I got more experience than most guys that have gone for five years and three to four weeks. Right. That's uh, right. And it's a really, really cool thing. Uh, so especially for you right now, you've got this once in a life time opportunity well hopefully not but for now like you you know you know you're not going to be working during that time like to be Mm -hmm. able to be there during that whole season to watch everything what happens with the moon phase what happens with the rut progression what happens with you know snow and where they go there like you're going to learn so much if you can spend an extra few weeks during season scouting yeah i hope you've already killed a bull too you know like right 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 (laughs) or cow whatever it is yeah yeah so best case scenario i go out I am successful early. Then I could just, you know, I'm super into photography. I could just bring my camera and then like, oh, yeah. like an elk, like photographer or something and like just study their behavior. Yeah, it's true. And I remember you telling me like, Hey, you got this opportunity now this year where you can get like, like you said, years worth of elk hunting experience all in this first season yep. and setting my, my elk hunting career, so to speak up really, really well, really yeah. well. It's almost like pulling back, like, like just, uh, the trajectory basically like could be set up yeah. really well and you can do things you won't do too and you check check your game and fish regs i'm just covering covering my butt here but like check your fish and game regs absolutely if you see other hunters right around you don't mess with their hunt right you don't want to do that stuff but mm-hmm. if no one's around and it's okay like you can do crazy things. You can go in screaming at a bull just to see what happens, <laughs> right? You can do really plaintive cow calls. You can run straight at one and stop. And like, I've done some really stupid, crazy things that didn't work. But mm-hmm. for example, my confidence level and like making a ton of noise comes from that scouting period where I saw a bull, like you can pretty much run right at elk, not at them, but like near elk, make a ton of noise. If you're making cow sounds, they really don't care. And I would Whoa. never have had the guts to try that if my tag was on the line, but afterwards, yeah. you know, it's like, whatever, this is experiment lab, right? Like let things go fail, you know, mm-hmm. figure some stuff out. Uh, so it's really cool. Yeah. It's a cool opportunity. So that's the kind of scouting I get all fired up about. Right. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. 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 And so that's why, that's why I say early sc- season scouting, uh, because even if you have two more days and guys are like, well, what happens if I tag out? It's like, yeah, well then you got, it's better to spend those two days during season than it would be earlier. Yeah. Um, but there's a, there's a heck of a lot of exceptions to that, right? Like 
and I, I'm a huge advocate of scouting in general, if you can't afford it. And so there's a lot of, like a lot of different people that it's a great idea for. Um, mm-hmm. One is if you've got unlimited time or money, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you've got a great situation. And, you know, if you, if you can figure out how to do it and it's not going to cost you a ton, then heck yeah, go get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's amazing. Uh, especially true for residents, right? Guys that are like two or three hours away and it's a weekend trip. Like, man, I'd be up there three times. Um, and I know like the place I, I hunt, for example, I got to know a guy there, a really, really cool guy. Um, I'm not going to say names unless I get permission from anybody. Um, but let's just call him D. Uh, he's been hunting there for five years and the elk actually don't come into where we're at until two weeks before season. Like literally aren't even there until like about two weeks every year. Whoa. Uh, and so he goes up two weeks before every season and he always gives me a big blow by blow, which is a huge man. I, I'm so thankful for that every time. What's a blow by blow. They're just like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Josh has this great, great thing where he's like the weird stuff Baxter says. I have these like weird phrases. <laughs> he's, he's got a whole side project on just like <laughs> things. Um, but uh, blow by blow is like a play by player. Just oh, like, gotcha. you know, this is what happened. Then this is what happened. That's what happened. Right. Like you yeah. count a bullet, like boxers punching each other or something. Oh, uh, got so it. He goes through like every little detail of the entire scouting trip with me, which is really cool. Uh, Whoa, that's cool. Super valuable. And it's yeah. been a great relationship too. Like when we were, we were there two years ago and I was like, Hey, this, we hunt this area over here with these massive wallows. He's like, what wallows? Uh, and I said, well, dude, check this out here and here. There's these two things. And he hunted it all the next year. Oh, um, whoa. He's a traditional bro, bow hunter. So, okay. wow. It's a really symbiotic relationship in that <laughs> he's like, here's great areas that you might get long shots. And I'm like, here's good areas you'll get short shots. Oh, interesting. Um, That's so cool. It's, yeah, it's really fun. But all that to say, like for him, he's a resident. It's close by. It's a great idea. You know, he knows exactly when he needs to go take a look, but mm-hmm. uh, totally worth it, right? Um, what else? Other good situations. Um, absolute rookies, right? I think you mentioned this before we even started the podcast, but like if you've never been in the backcountry before, you've never been backpacking, right? Mm-hmm. And you you did this last year, right? You went to, I did it last year. Yeah, I'd never been um, solo, like real solo backpacking where you stay out and you like don't go back to the car in like a couple of days or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, last year I went on a scouting trip uh, opening weekend of elk season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just great time to do it. It was a great experience. I didn't see any elk at all. <laughs> <laughs> I saw like some really old rubs and uh, some really old sign. And I was like, this is so cool. I was like, wow, yeah, this is what Baxter was talking about. Like the, the, the rubs. Um, and then I like got kind of elevation sick, I guess. <laughs> I yeah, just couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. Uh, and then I just realized like, wow, like this is hard. Like this stuff is steep. You're going, there's no, I, I, I wasn't going on the <laughs> the game trail. So like just bushwhacking through stuff, bugs everywhere. Yeah. It was like, it was a good experience to realize like, this isn't easy at all. Oh, totally. And that, that's an invaluable lesson, right? Like that, mm-hmm. the amount of motivation you have this year to bust your butt working. Like I, I bet if you hadn't done that last year and I've been harping on you to exercise hard, mm-hmm. you might put some effort in, you know, but now you like truly believe it because you, oh yeah, yeah. You understand it's not easy. So yeah, because there's so much like elevation gain and loss. And we talked about this in the training episode uh, a few episodes ago, but so much elevation gain and loss. And then you throw on the pack and then you do this at elevation. It's like, I don't know how much amount of training you got to do to 
do that every day. So you never feel totally fine. That's for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's a really good one. And I, I think also if it's like a guy, if you're practice trip, right, we talked about the importance of that and that I'm a hundred percent on, like everyone needs to take a practice trip with all the gear they're going to use, even if it's just like in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> but doubling up on that, like I know guys that are like, well, I'm going to go to Yellowstone for my back, my practice trip. I'm like, well, that's a, I'm jealous. Yellowstone, Yellowstone is awesome, but B, like, why not just go to your elk spot, you know, scout, learn, mm -hmm. take a look around, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're close it, enough, that is, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. If you're there, or I mean, if you're going to buy a flight somewhere anyway, why not just buy it where you're going? Oh, uh, I see. Because there's a ton of little details. You know, I guess we're kind of transitioning into what to look for and what, what is good about scouting. Um, and again, like, I mean, hopefully you picked up on this, but this is kind of like when I would talk about quote unquote, the best gear, right? Like there's mm -hmm. no such thing as the best for everyone. It's like all about your personal situation. Mm -hmm. So I might be super positive on scouting for one guy and not positive at all for another guy. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like, I think the most important thing is saying like, what's your individual deal and like you know, where people fall. So, yeah. And I guess there's a spectrum, right? And the big thing is time and money. I guess the more time and the more money you have, the more chance that scouting may be good for you. Yep. Whereas like the less time, less money, it's like, uh, you could be doing other things instead. <laughs> totally. Yeah. There's a lot of other things you could be, could be doing, but you know, that said, there's a lot of things that you can get value out of scouting if you're not really it's just if you're not paying attention to the elk themselves mm -hmm. right it's more but let me lay this out for example where we were going uh, the other year when you get up there we spent half a day trying to find a good spot to park the car and like camp oh right? wow or like okay. ooh, this little thing from as we talked about with the e-scouting you always got to use the, the idaho or the colorado planner and google earth because one of them you know, idaho colorado planners are going to tell you what roads are open versus google earth might call you out wrong right and say oh this road's open even though they close it and that's what happened to me one year we got in we thought we were going to be able to get to here oh no it's closed two miles away we spent half a day like driving up and around right oh, okay and so even something as simple as like these are the trails you can actually access with a car and this is actually where you can get to is a big difference mm -hmm. right and so you know you can learn little things like that and so i didn't i don't think i included that kind of stuff in the article but that's huge right like finding all the the semantics you could go go spend some time around the town next to you and find the burger joint the place to do your laundry real quick a great little cheap motel somewhere that'll let you pay five dollars for a shower you know whatever it is yeah right um so there's a lot of those little things to get out of it mm -hmm. but you other stuff so if you do go scouting like you're like hey i've got time i'm just gonna drive out next week uh i think it's it's really important to look for elk sign and not elk but we're going to go into it super deep next week, you know, elk sign and like what exactly that looks like. But a lot of it will stay year over year. So in particular, trails, wallows, and rubs are going to be three things that you're going to find that'll last a year if they're really big. Okay. Um, and so if you're on a scouting trip, definitely look for those, not for the elk, not for other stuff. Um, because, you know, if an area has got a ton of rubs in it, like, uh, I'm at this great point now with the spot I'm hunting where I've been there three or four years. So I kind of watch the rotation of elk and how it all goes down in there. But generally, if you find rubs in one area, there's going to be elk within like a mile or so of it the next year. Okay. If you find, huh, interesting. Yeah. So like the old stuff that I saw, like the old sign, or I, I guess like the old rubs, mm -hmm. then 
that I saw last year, if I went back to that spot this year, he'll probably be within a mile. Uh, probably. I mean, likelihood, right? There's there's some areas where elk are much more nomadic and they roam around, but in most of the areas I've hunted, if I you know if I've seen rubs or I see old rubs, there's elk in the general vicinity. So they kind of come back to the same spots. And I've this is a pet theory of mine, but I've seen I know for a fact I've seen the same bulls in these areas three or four years in a row because they have very unique horns. One has really tall horns. One has a weird sticker off the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so clearly they migrate all the way down out of the mountains and come back to the exact same spot every year. I'm not talking like general area. I'm talking like this little notch of that valley every year. Wow. Uh, which is really interesting. Uh, but yeah, I think if you're, if they're not disturbed, they're going to come back to that area. So if you find those rubs, that's a good sign that that's a spot you want to be in elk season, right? Okay. Yeah. And same goes for wallows. Wallows are a little less dependable because they, I've seen wallows dry up or disappear or get created year in or year out. Mm-hmm. So, but there are some wallows. It's really hard to describe audibly, but there's some wallows that are so deep and big that they're they're like a permanent fixture in the area. Yeah. And the elk just hit those. Like that ones I talked about telling Mr. D about, um, those are, I mean, those things are probably 12 feet, 12 to 25 feet wide and about three feet deep. Mm-hmm. And those are every year, every year there's elk all in there. And there's another one across the valley that I'm I'm not kidding you is 80 feet long and maybe 30 feet wide. It's one of the biggest swallows I've seen in my life. Wow. Uh, and there are elk all over that every year. So if you find Dang. things like that, that's just, those are great indicators. It's a good spot. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. What about going out to scout to place cameras? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's a good one. I actually take cameras with me during elk season. It's just pretty mm-hmm. unorthodox. Um, I tend to because I do loops, like I said, and I tend to drop them early in the loop or mm-hmm. on a something like that wallow that I know is like a magnet. And if they're elk in the area, they're going to hit it uh, and I'll come check it. And so it's a really, really valuable thing for me during season to come. You know, if I do a loop and I don't come back for four or five days and I come back to that area, then I know, hey, every night at seven, someone's been hitting this, right? Like they're in here. Yeah. Would you recommend a beginner like me to do that? especially since I'm going to be out there for like a whole month. I don't know how much cameras are though, but yeah, the, the hard thing about them. So we're talking scouting here. If you, yeah, scouting's great. You can go drop them. And then when you get there in season, you can go check those spots. Cause you know, the spots you're going to go, right? Perfect. Mm-hmm. The hard thing in hunting season is you might go into an area and go, Hey, this is, I'm not sure if this is good. So if you oh. drop a camera now, you've got to go back in there. Yeah. So for me, I know, I've got these spots. I'm like, I know there will always be elk here and I know this is good. It's just to what degree are they around, right? It's not a question if they're there. It's like, is it one or is it 50? Um, so that's, you got to really know your spot basically to be able to carry those around. Okay. And they're heavy. They're really yeah, heavy. They're like a pound or two. Oh, so, they're... Uh, oh no. okay. I did used to take them up to the very, very top, which was hilarious. Um, but they're also fascinating. I mean, at night you'll get in your tent put one on a game trail like 200 yards away and you might see six elk walk by and you're like, dear goodness. That's crazy. Yeah. It's uh, there's some really amazing things you can learn from that. So gotcha. So the only risk is, is placing them in places where you don't want to go back to totally and wasting that time. Yeah, exactly. But if you've got more time this year, yeah, it might not be a bad thing. You can just throw one up. It's like a, it's a really cool century, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. So that's a good reason to go scouting too. Um, if you do go scouting, like taking a note of where the cows are, it's maybe the only way that you should pay attention to elk. 
Um, it just, it depends on what time you're going. If it's June, maybe not early July, maybe not, but the cows always move into the areas. The elk will be in the fall earlier than the bulls. Okay. Because of the horn thing, the velvet. Oh. Uh, and also the cows, since they have the little kids or try to stay a little closer to the snow line to avoid predators. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So they kind of, they'll be in there first. And what happens is when the rut switches on, bulls go to cows, not vice versa, right? Yeah. Cows don't go looking for bulls. So mm -hmm. bulls might be, usually what you'll see is bulls might be super high, like early August, way up high. And they'll actually drop back down into the timbered basins to go look for the cows once the rut starts. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's, if you are going to go like, you do see cows and it's later, like it's a after mid-July scouting trip. I mean, just depends on the area, right? Mm -hmm. But you see cows, that's a good sign. That might be a good area to be. Okay, cool. So if you do go scouting, probably number one priority is cows. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'd say sign year over year signs, probably more dependable than, yeah, than cows is a good one. Okay. Glassing points and campsites. Mm -hmm. That's another thing to get. Uh, those are, those are deceptively difficult to find, like, especially on e-scouting. That's one of the few things now that like, it's really hard for me still to visualize because Google earth, I don't want to geek out on this, but the way they do this is like a retroactive, they smooth out little bumps in the terrain. Okay. Basically they have an image from the satellite that's based on refraction, but it's not accurate enough for them to say, here's a 20, 30 foot cliff. It's only like, they'll, they'll make a, a hillside that's all jagged and has these weird indents look almost smooth. Oh, okay. With yeah. Google Earth. And you can actually, if you get to the point, you're good enough. And like after four or five years, I've start, uh, started to figure this out, but I can look at the image itself. And even though the image or the, you know, the 3D shape they've got is smooth, I can look at the image and be like, no, 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 there's a little bowl or a bench right there. Oh, wow. Um, but that takes a lot of, a lot of back and forth, like they were talking about, you know, looking at it going, looking at it going. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like campsites and glassing points are almost impossible to be sure of using Google earth, unless you've been doing it for a long time. Oh, even glassing points. There's some that are really obvious and like, yeah, mm -hmm. if you see like a pinnacle or a little point that's got zero trees on it and everything yeah. around it, yeah, that's going to be great. But most of the time glassing points are these little tiny, tiny nooks. And if you're 10 feet to the left, you're 10 feet to the right. You can't see that much oh. or something that might look good. Just the tips of the trees just barely interfere with it and you can't see mm -hmm. anything. Um, so there's a lot of little tiny ones like that, that, uh, you, you could go look at five of them, maybe only two or three look good. So mm -hmm. going and verifying that is really, really valuable as well. Um, and campsites too, we've talked about how hard it can be to find a campsite sometimes, just super steep and nasty. So if you do find these little flat areas, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. perfect, right? Yeah, so then, because um, now I'm thinking, if, if it's so hard to e-scout, I, I mean, find campsites and glassing points when you're e-scouting, it must be hard to find that when you're hunting. I mean, it seems like it'd be inefficient to spend your hunting time looking for those things. Yeah, although... Again, it's all depends on the terrain you're in, but mm -hmm. when you're hunting, you're moving around and by nature, like all you're doing is just like looking for things, right? You're looking for all. Yeah. And so you spend a lot of time you're finding stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you might, it's a little easier than you think, but yeah, you might spend 30 minutes one night just walking around in circles, trying to find a place you can actually camp. Yeah. But would these four things be all things that you would pin on, on X or some GPS while you're out hunting, like where you see cows, where you see sign and rubs, camp 
possible campsites and then possible glassing points. Oh yeah, you mean if I'm out scouting? Uh, if you're out scouting or or even out hunting? Yeah, hunting. I'm everything, right? I'm mm-hmm. always pinning it, dropping stuff. I'm taking notes. Like your your brain just can't remember that stuff. So I always yeah. always drop pins and put a lot of notes. A lot of guys will put like cow, but it's like, what does that mean? You're like, oh no, there were like three cows that were walking through here. Like there were three cows that were feeding here. Very different things, right? Mm. Um, so I take like really good notes because yeah. I can look like the spot I've been hunting now. I can look back on that and I've got, I think like a hundred and something waypoints. Wow. So it all starts to really add up in my brain. of like, oh, they go from here to here. They do this. That's their, right. And everything, every year, three or four more things kind of click and then, oh, okay. Yeah. I understand that. Oh, so you start to see the full picture. Totally. And I know wow. now, like I can walk into the valley and I can tell you, hey, they bet up there. They walk down these three or four paths down to here spend mm-hmm. time in this general vicinity. And then if they spook, they go out the other side this way. And then another elk comes in from over here and beds out. Like I know kind of where they go and how they will get around. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they tend to have like, elk generally have these unspoken areas they like to be. And they know mm-hmm. it's like, um, not only are they areas that are easier to walk or, you know, they're lazy, right. Mm-hmm. Even though they're super capable, they're just going to use the least amount of energy, but it's also areas that they feel safe. Right, like they know that the wind's either good for them while they're moving, or they've got good visibility. So there's a lot of little factors that humans don't pick up on that they they like, and so they might only really want to come down one part of a ridge. Oh. If you know where that is and what they're doing, that's a massive advantage for you. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Especially okay. if you're calling, because you might be, for example, calling one, but you're calling it into an area it doesn't want to be. Mm-hmm. Right? Does that make sense? He's just yeah, like, that makes sense. Ah, I don't like that area versus. My other thing about calling, we'll talk about this in tactics later, is that you got to be where the elk wants to go. Mm-hmm. So you got to be in front of them or to the side of them or like same elevation or something where it's it's not like it's the same with you or me. If if someone called me from the kitchen, I'm like, yeah, heck yeah, let's go out there, maybe get a drink or a, you know, or something to eat. Mm-hmm. But if someone calls me from down on the street outside my place, I'm like, oh, I gotta go get in the <laughs> elevator. Yeah, I gotta go down. Like I don't know you, whatever. I call my mm-hmm. cell phone, right? Um, <laughs> same thing with an elk. Like they, they've got that. So if you're scouting and you learn those things and you see those things, that's that's a opportunity to one up. Oh, okay. One up yourself there. Cool. Because now it sounds like, I mean, finding glassing points or finding campsites or like sign a rub. It seems like scouting would be worth it. But I guess if you're just oh, yeah. far away or like the vac- vacation time thing, like then it becomes not worth it. I guess. Totally. And you have to think of all these things. It's like an educated guess, right? It's a gamble. Mm-hmm. And so you might find an area with a ton of rubs and you're like, this looks good, but you get back there that year and they're not right there. They're half a mile away. Mm-hmm. And so it just didn't pan out. Um, and I've seen that before plenty of times. So you, the only way to be sure is to be there in, in hunting season. So scouting is for sure worth it. Again, if it's not that big of a problem for you to get there, without gotcha. a doubt, okay. it's a great thing. Yeah, it's just is that why people were so contentious on like the Instagram and the articles because they thought you were saying like scouting is not worth it, but really exactly. it is worth it if mm-hmm. oh okay they they didn't get that nuance I guess yeah maybe I could have maybe I could have put it better clearly but <laughs> uh, that's no it wasn't that bad it was like two or three guys who were just like ah oh, what the heck and one owned a scouting or app so he was obviously a little biased there yeah um, yeah so it's there's a lot of value there right without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other stuff is in this one, you got to be cautious about, but you really need to verify your e-scouting, right? Mm-hmm. And so the things you mark and you say, Hey, that's cool or interesting, or that's something I think is good. 
like those are those are super high probability spots and you basically whittle down that against you might have 10 things you marked and there's 25 percent odds on average across all those of elk being there but some of them you go see it and you're like no 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 there's like 50 to 75 percent odds and some of them you go look at uh, it like no that actually looks like a wallow or that looks like a creek but they're not going to be there oh eliminate it and so you're basically saving yourself a lot of time during hunting season all right like if through e-scouting you're like hey i got a b c d then you go there and you're like oh actually these need to be reordered this is a this is b this is c this is d exactly or you drop you know d all together right yeah let's just go a b c so you can you know you can learn those sorts of things um, have you ever have you ever gone out and been like this is a and then you go out and you're like oh wait this is this shouldn't even be on the list Oh yeah, no, that was <laughs> I've definitely done that. Where you're, a lot of stuff looks really, really good on uh, on Google Earth, and then you get there, you're like, nope. Um, that was actually what happened my first year, and that's I've now seen two, you know, personalities slash hunter channels slash whatever you want to call it businesses that have filmed in the area I hunted the first year. Whoa! Um, and both guys, both guys were unsuccessful two years in a row in there, which is pretty funny. And they did exactly what I did the first year, which is they went in and on Google earth, that spot looks just unbelievable. It looks like meadows and little lakes and just magical elk terrain. And it is, but it's so accessible to a trailhead that within like a day or two, everything's out of there. And so if you make the mistake of going there and then just being like, this is so good and you just keep hanging around and you don't read the elk sign, which we'll talk about next week, you're going to waste a week of hunting, right? Yeah. Um, and that watching the videos of what happened, that's basically what, what the, they did. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, and I'm not, there's a reason I'm not mentioning names and I'm not trying to talk people down. Like that's what I did too, right? I spent mm-hmm. days doing that. And then I realized there's just nothing here. Yeah. And then I hiked way higher and up over and uh, then that's when the magic started happening. And so that I got really, really lucky that I learned that lesson because I just took a random risk like the second day mm-hmm. and then it clicked and like it, I short circuited a, a week or two of learning. Cause I right. was like, Oh man, that's what can happen. So yeah, no, absolutely. Your a spot very often can be, can be the worst spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about um, scouting for predators? Do predators typically stay in the same areas, you know, before season and going into season or, you know, I guess they're following the, the prey or I, I actually don't know. That is a good question. And I have no clue. Um, I always want to be able to say, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, you know, with wolves and stuff, we've had a few come into our, our spots um, in Idaho, the years we've hunted Colorado and Idaho. Um, and it's just random luck of the draw with those guys. So I don't feel like if wolves are there cause they just follow the elk. Mm-hmm. So if there's, the good news is if there are some wolves around, there's probably elk around, Yeah, but they, they move quick. So like they'll be there for a few days and they're gone. Okay. So they're never like hanging out in one Valley forever. Cause every so elk in that Valley would be like, I'm out of here. Yeah. So, cause that's a little tricky, right? Cause if wolves are there, it means elk are probably there, but it, does it also mean that elk are probably not going to be there very long? <laughs> yes. It's very much so. <laughs> yeah. you no, know, we were, I made that mistake the third year I hunted. We, we had this spot that I hunt every year had phenomenal, um, phenomenal elk numbers. And I'm just trying to make sure I'm not saying too much here. Had phenomenal elk numbers and we went in there and great, great hunting and then wolves showed up and then we just kept sticking it out for the next week. Ah. And they're just, I mean, I think there were like two, maybe three elk in the entire five mile valley at that point where there used to be probably 200 in 10 different groups. Okay. Uh, So it's, yeah, you gotta, if the wolves come, 
got to move. I mean, if nothing else, this is teaching you the importance of the like A spot, the B spot, the C spot, you know, getting like four or five really good options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can move on. So you can move around. Cool. Yeah. Uh, anything else on scouting that I missed? I think that's it. I mean, this is a pretty quick one because, uh, you know, if I had to sum it up in one go, it's that scouting is really valuable if you know what to look for and what to not look for, right? Look mm-hmm. for, you know, look for old sign, possibly look for cows, look for good, you know, access points, glassing sites, campsites, you know, go verify all the things you've e-scouted. You have to e-scout before. Scouting is incredibly valuable if you do that. Um, who it's not valuable for is guys that are going to burn a vacation day or money they, they would dedicate to the hunting season, right? Like, yeah. That's my 22nd version of it, but it's, it's really fun. It does get you fired up too. Mm-hmm. to go hunt elk and then the point you made that's really important is during season after you're successful scouting for the next season that's probably like the most pot, like valuable form of scouting there is huh oh yeah without a doubt and yeah you know structuring that in getting it there getting excited about it and that's that's another reason like you know you've had this running the question you've asked me probably the most one of one of the top three has been should i shoot a cow oh yeah (laughs) you're kind of having this i think every guy has this running monologue of do i do i do this or do i not because it's pretty hard to avoid let me put it this way if i just dropped you off in the wilderness and you didn't have an elk hunting culture youtube or all this stuff and a cow or a bull walked up you'd be probably just about as happy to shoot that cow right oh yeah like meat and i got it done and awesome mm-hmm. but there's definitely society pressure of like ooh antlers and that's what you show off and whatever yeah um so i think that's about being real with yourself right like if you know like even even if you just know that if you shoot something that doesn't have antlers you're going to be disappointed like that is what it is right like mm-hmm. you can't take you can't pull that pull that or put that genie back in the bottle right like <laughs> but if you know you're going to still be excited i would shoot that cow every day of the week oh i would be so excited yeah yeah I, yeah. Even Every though I the have week. the whole month to go hunt and I yeah. see a cow on the first day, I'm still shooting it. Like no doubt that I've already made that decision. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd shoot it. I'd shoot it every day of the week as a new hunter, because not only will you, you're going to boost your confidence and that's incredible. You have elk meat, all these wonderful things. You're going to learn how to butcher. You're going to, you're going to get the whole experience, mm-hmm. but then you also, like I said, you got all this scouting time. Like it's yeah. really, really awesome. And yeah, that changes, right? Like I've hunted, hunted for four what four or five seasons now so it's not like for me if i see a cow i'm probably gonna wait <laughs> mm-hmm. you know just because i kind of want the hunt to go on for a little longer like yeah i just like the that aspect of it and that challenge um and so it'll be especially this year where i'm gonna have a little more time i'm probably gonna wait that's yeah. just just changes how many days but, of hunting are you getting in this year probably probably two weeks wow nice yeah, we're we're gonna be on we're going to take some of the paternity leave during that period of time. Oh yeah. Really that's awesome. right. That's we're, right. We're renting an RV because my wife won't be able to go with me. Margaret won't be able to go with me mm-hmm. uh, this year. Cause she's going to be recovering of course. Um, and so just to have him up there with us, the little guy and her, mm-hmm. we're going to rent this little tiny RV and put it up there. And so I can kind of, instead of spending days on end up there hunting, I can go in for a few days and then come out and hang out with them and just be with, uh, be with my kid and my wife. It'd be pretty yeah. amazing, amazing the time. Worlds, yeah, yeah I wow. Know. So super excited. It's a really, it's going to be a totally unique season for me this year. Trying to figure out how to balance all that. Yeah, but I'm wondering this season if I should uh, record stuff on audio like every day 
because I'm going to have a full experience. So turning that into something after would be really cool. Yeah, no, totally. And we, we can probably dovetail into that because this episode is a little shorter, right? Guys can always mm-hmm. head out if they, <laughs> they're through with the personal stuff. But I do think the the daily, I do this, I've told you, but I, the daily video of yourself talking about what happened that day is one of the most priceless things you can do while you're hunting. Yeah. It's amazing because you're going to forget all the little details. And mm-hmm. so every every day what we do um, I didn't do this the first year or two, and man, I wish I had. Like I, oh, it's like not writing down how you felt at a momentous moment in life. You know, you just wish you had. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did write a story about my first one, which was cool. Uh, but every day we'd sit in the tent, and the day was done. My wife and I, and I just hold the camera up and turn on a headlamp or something. And we'd take five or ten minutes and just talk through the entire day of hunting. Like yeah. What happened? Where were the elk? You know did we almost get something? What are we going to do tomorrow? What is something we learned, right? Like that is such valuable information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and it'd be really cool to reflect on and maybe do a couple of podcast episodes on it. Like, yeah. And yeah, just reflect and like do a breakdown, uh, blow by blow and, uh, yeah. And yeah. analyze what went wrong and what went well. And, and totally. Learn. And the same thing goes for scouting too. Like, I think, you know, either write stuff down or just, you know, take your, uh, your iPhone and switch it around and record yourself talking about it every day. Cause that's mm-hmm. super easy to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, a month later, you're like, Oh, was that bull on this Ridge or that Ridge? Right. And then you go back and you can listen to it and you can play it the day or two before you go elk hunting and get all fired up. Yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm, oh man, I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's a problem with this stuff every week, man. It's just like, we talk about it and we get all excited and you're like, ah, it's too, two more months. Yeah. But it's getting, it's getting close. I'm getting nervous. Um, yeah. Even today on my hike, I got to the top of the mountain and I was like, all right, this is going to give me a slightly better chance of killing an elk this, I mean, this, uh, September. All right. You got nothing to be nervous about. You're going <laughs> to win either way. That's, that's the thing is you got to go in there with that attitude of like, there's no such thing as failure here. Like, yeah, that's true. That's true. You're going to learn. You're going to have a blast. Like, yeah, you may not get an elk and that's zero, zero deal. Cause guess what? We're going to do the the Josh season two next year of like, you know, refining all the things we talked about this year. Right. So yes, either way, it's like, there's zero pressure and there's nothing. Yeah. It's good that you've got motivation to go, Mm -hmm. go do all this stuff and like, whatever you got to do to get there. That's great. But yeah, there's, I got other things in life where there's pressure to make sure you deliver. Right. I don't want my, my, one of the hobbies I love most in life to be on that level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the pressure, so it's some of it's good though. It's making me make sure I like train really hard. Yeah. Um, and, and like we said, from the, the lesson learned from last year, scouting is like, this is not, e- it's not easy. It's no. very difficult. So it, it was all good. Um, so I think that that pressure is positive. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's great pressure. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, we'll see, you know, if you ping me in two or three days here and you're like, Oh, I'm going to drive out <laughs> and go scouting. <laughs> uh, well, no, but, uh, no, I think you, especially the amount of time you got this year, you'll probably be pretty good without it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you, do you think I should go maybe like a week out and like start picking out the campsite, start picking out the glassing spots, sign rub, looking at the cows like a week before season and then just stay and just Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, Josh. I think something that a lot of guys we're talking about scouting. um, A lot of guys do show up two or three days before season Mm -hmm. uh, for several reasons. One, if you're somewhere you can glass really well, like into the area you're going, Mm -hmm. you can pretty much tell if there's elk. What I really wouldn't do is go walk around in there. 
Oh, and spoof like them put out, your right? scent in there. Every second you're in an area, no matter how good you are, you're leaving tons of scent and trace that you just never gotcha. realize. And so, yeah, yeah, do yeah, definitely don't go into the area. But like the area I'm at, you can get a really good if you walk 200 yards up a ridge, you can get an amazing view of like four or five of the ten areas in hunt. Mm-hmm. And it'd be really quick and easy to be like, oh, yeah, there's elk there, there's elk there, there's not elk there, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's a really good one. The other one is getting a spot. So stuff is getting really competitive these days. It's very intense. There's a lot of guys out there. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you show up a day or two early, you can like claim your little trailhead or your area, right? Okay. And there's no such thing as claiming it in public land, but if guys drive up and see your car and a ton of their stuff there, they might be like, oh, okay. Next. Oh, I see, I see. Yep. And this year's very unique for where you're going, which whichever state or unit, but I know in my head in that the seasons, a lot of seasons open during the week, mm-hmm. like a Friday or a Thursday. But I think this year, most of the seasons open like on a Sunday. Okay. And so it's an interesting one because a lot of guys that are local will take a day or two off uh, and go up there a day early because they know mm-hmm. they'll get their spot and they oh. kind of get to beat the non-residents to it. Mm-hmm. But this year there might be a different thing because no one's no residents probably going to take a day off because they've already got a day to get there from work anyway yeah they got saturday yeah so there's some different uh some different tactics but yeah it doesn't hurt to get there a few days early you know okay. take a look around because you'll also learn a lot of things about hey, how hard it was to get here and give yourself yeah. a bit more time to acclimate yeah i think i'll go like maybe three days early i, just, I mean i just have the time right now so <laughs> yeah Heck luxury yeah. to go three days early do some early seasons or like i guess right before season scouting and then like you said yeah find that restaurant with the good burger or like the grocery store or where yeah. i can get the propane the uh fuel for my jet boil and all that good stuff yeah no that's a good that's a good tactic that's what we're doing we're going to be out there two or three days early just to claim our spot because we we know where we want to go we know what yeah. we want so we'll go out there early and get it and then also, like I said, I can glass, mm-hmm. glass. And for me, it's an awesome opportunity to get Margaret and baby Bowman uh, all settled in and excited about life before I head off into the wild blue. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Okay, cool. So at least I know um, I can book my flight now. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a lot cool. cheaper during the week too, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I stuff. might need to change my flight. I just booked a flight. Um, I think I booked it for a few days early, but I might need to change it. Yeah, you'll figure it out, I'm sure. But yeah, hopefully that gives guys a good overview of, you know, is scouting worth it for them? And if they do go, like what the value of it is and what to go look for. Um, and then I think that's a really great way to wrap it up too. It's like, is it worth going a little bit early uh, as well? Cool. And yeah, hunt, you know, scouting during the season, but we can, uh, we can talk about that another time. It'd be really cool to do a follow-up to our seasons this year and talk about what we learned kind of mid season scouting as well. Yeah, that'd be cool. And then next week, I'm very, very excited for next week. Cause this topic has, I've been listening to other podcasts and they say like in the learning curve, when you become a better DIY elk hunter, like the first hurdle to get over, obviously is like finding elk. Mm-hmm. Then later it's like closing the distance, but yeah, yep. I need to learn how to find elk. So that's what yeah. we're talking about next week. Right. Totally. And we're going to get really prescriptive. We're going to get very detailed on like exactly what poop looks like when it's somewhat fresh, you know, fresh, not so fresh and like really old, for example. And we're going to go through just like everything because I think I'm always surprised by how little detail there is out there about this. I think it's because a lot of the really experienced guys that are good at this have been doing it for 20 years and that doesn't seem interesting or new to them. Right. But I think that's actually incredibly valuable stuff for, for guys like you that are new to it. Um, mm-hmm. So they know like, 
And there's all these little tactics and tips around how you uh, can even tell if a, a track is new or fresh, all that good stuff. So we're going to dive really deep into that next week. So awesome. Something so you guys look forward to. Yeah. What does fresh sign taste like versus uh, old sign? <laughs> Old shit. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're done for the day. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, guys. Well, thanks again. Uh, we haven't done the like and subscribe thing. If you're if you're enjoying this, do help us out with a review or liking, uh, subscribing to the podcast. That'd be really great. Uh, just to help us out with the amount of time we're putting into this. And uh, glad you're here. Happy for everybody that's listening to this thing. Like, drop me a line. Love to hear from you. And we'll be yeah. back next week with more. Yeah, thanks for listening. Um, and I need to make more hunter friends. So yeah, please spread the word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so drop subscribe. us a word of encouragement for Josh. We've had a few people <laughs> do that. It's been really cool where they send us like, hey, I'm rooting for Josh. Like, here's something for him or like, check this out or like, you know, tell him this. Uh, so oh, yeah. Something. Yeah, those emails were awesome. Yeah, 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 I still have them saved. Super cool. So cool. So yeah, if you, if you got that, go for it. We'd love to hear it. All righty. Well, we'll talk to you guys next week.